Okay, so James, you are fat. <laughs> All right, so you're skinny. Yeah. All right, you're selfish. All right, Nathan, you're a cheater. All right, Jess, you are a liar. All right. Oh, jumping over, getting interactive. All right, Sarah, you are worthless. All right. All right, Rachel, sorry, you're ugly. All right. Okay, Mark, you are a loser. Sorry to tell you. All right, and Christy, you are weird. All right. And so, how, how do you guys feel about receiving those labels? They're not very flattering. And these labels... Now, labels are not always bad, but what they do is they kind of, as I said, categorize um, things in the world. So even though uh, it might be a compliment, for example, if I say that someone's beautiful or a group of people or society says that these people are beautiful, automatically what we're doing is we're saying that this group of people are not beautiful saying that they're ugly or they don't fit our view of beauty. And so um, when I was growing up, my mum had a phrase that she would repeat, which is, sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us. And as I was a kid, I was like, that's a weird saying, like, whatever, I don't get what that means. But as I've reflected on an adult, on it as an adult, I have thought about it a bit more and... I actually think that that saying is a little bit crap, just saying, because I don't know about you, but words seem to hurt me the most, and sometimes I wish that someone would actually just throw a rock at me, (laughs) rather than saying some of these things that somehow seem to uh, get deep into my heart and define who I am as a person, my worth, my identity, and they actually seem to stick, no matter how hard I tried to get rid of them. And so, over the years, so as I was growing up, I got bullied in primary school. And uh, people used to bully me and say all sorts of different things to kind of label me. Um, one of the labels I had was that I was ginger, and, or a redhead, or a red nut, or a ranger, or a matchstick, or whatever. <laughs> And whilst they are funny, right, whilst they're funny, they were labelling me because I looked different, because I didn't look quite like them. Um, I also got people tell me that I was weird, um, mainly just because I acted a different way to them. I also got that I was stupid because my brain works a different way to how their brain works. And even for me, the last few years, I've been on this journey um, with uh, 
kind of learning how to manage um, anxiety and stress and depression and those kind of things. And I'm still on that journey, but even mental health has a label about it that says, oh, you're a little bit broken. You're not really working the way that you should. Um, Be careful what you say around Andrew. He's a little bit fragile. He's a bit of a porcelain man. You might crack him. And so I I just want to stop here and I just want us to ask and have a bit of a conversation with the person next to you around, oh, is this on? What labels have people used to describe you? Just talk to the person next to you. Cool. So what what are some of those labels? Throw them back to me. Weird, retarded. Yeah. Giant, tornado. Stupid, <laughs> ugly, ugly, useless, useless. over dramatic. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> so, there's, there's a few different labels in our life that have some effect on us, right? They, they're people trying to define who we are. And often, these labels uh, have a very harmful and dehumanizing impact on a person. So uh, I, I guess a drastic example of that is in World War II, we see a group of people, um, the Jewish people, put the label Jew, okay? You act like this, you look like this, you're a Jew, you're a subhuman. And that is taking away their individuality as an individual person and putting them in a... You're a group of people and dehumanizing them. So you're not worthy of being loved. And so I want to teach you a Greek word, if that's right. You guys ready to learn some Greek? Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a Greek word, kategoros. Uh, and what kategoros means is it's basically the Greek root Um, from where we get the English word categories. And I want to just break it down for you. Okay, so the first part, kata, means against, and the second part, um, uh, agora, means to speak. And so this word, kategoros, literally means to speak against someone or to accuse them. And in scripture, Satan is referred to as the accuser. He's the one who speaks against our identities, against our worth, against our place in this world and in God's kingdom. And so I want to tell you a story about an interesting character. Now, you probably haven't heard of him. You may have. But his name is Mephibosheth. You know, good old Mephibosheth. Now, to make things easier for both you and me, we're just going to call him Mike for the evening, okay? Just to make it a little bit easier. And so Mike, how he fits into the story is we see him in 2 Samuel, and there's this guy, this ruler um, of a land called Israel, and his name is Saul. And then Saul, he has a son called um, Jonathan, and then Jonathan has a son called Mike. Okay, and now Jonathan has a friend called David. They're best buds. 
All right, you may have heard of him, David and Goliath, that one. And David and Jonathan, they make a promise to each other and they say, no matter what happens to us, we're going to look after each other's families. And so in 2 Samuel 4, what happens is uh, both Saul and Jonathan are killed when Mike is very young. And so... Um, Mike's nurse, who's like the babysitter, the one who looks after him um, and raises him, as she's fleeing with Mike for her life, she drops him and leaves him crippled. That's, that's a pretty bad babysitter, right? Someone you don't really want to trust your kids with. So we'll just read that in Second Samuel 4. It says, Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mike, who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. Now, what are the two things we learn about Mike? What do we learn about him? How is he labelled? He's crippled? He's crippled and what else? Yeah, his parents are dead, orphan, and he's Jonathan's son. So really, all we learn about him is that he's a cripple, he's Jonathan's son, he's an orphan. Talk about a great summary of a person, right? A great introduction. Imagine if like you just met someone and someone was like, oh, this is Johnny, he's an orphan, his parents got killed and he's disabled. Like, that's a rough introduction. And so I want to ask another question of this. Have you ever had labels put on you before someone got to know you? Discuss that. Or have you put labels on someone else before you got to know them? Have a discussion. Now, so we see Mike again in 2 Samuel 9, so I'm just going to read that. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mike. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mike. (laughs) Mike replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mike bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you would show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mike, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Zeba replied, Yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mike ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. And there's... There's something that amazes me about this scene when I read it. And it's that, firstly, we've got to set the scene. So I I don't know what 
Mike's disability was, how he was crippled. It doesn't say. But there's kind of only three ways he could have got to the table. Either he hobbled a little bit, either he crawled, or someone carried him. And neither of those three are very, I guess, respectful. They, they don't make you look very good because it's literally showing your brokenness in front of everyone. But what I love about this scene is that Mike, he comes over to the table, he takes a seat with the king and his sons, and for the first time, what's not seen? His legs, right? The very reflection of his brokenness. He's an equal with the people he's sitting with. And what happens is he's treated with honour and dignity. And now what, what labels do is they kind of make us question our worthiness. They make me, at least, disqualify myself from the covering of Jesus. And so Mike, he's an orphan, and he's broken in the eyes of the world, but he's adopted, he's welcomed in, he's given a seat at the table and treated as an equal. And there's something really important about that, which is this. That, sorry, skip that. So the enemy, what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to define you, me, us, by our scars, our brokenness. However, Jesus, he wants to define us by his scars and his brokenness. And see, God, he saw that the world was a bit of a mess. He saw that we were hurting. He saw that we had these labels that we couldn't get off ourselves, that we were wrestling with our identity. And so he sent his son Jesus into the world to live a perfect life, to die on the cross so that we could reclaim our true identity and be in relationship and be adopted into his family. And so the enemy will continue to make lies and try and stick labels on us. Um, But the truth is that God admires our presence. He loves all of us. He loves our messiness. He loves our highlights. And we can sit at the table with all of that. So I I just want to take a look at this comparison. So... David and Mike. So Mike was an orphan and broken in the eyes of the world. David adopted him. He gave him a place at the table. His brokenness was covered. And David treated Mike as a son and he was loved by David. And for us with God, you see, we are orphans and we're broken in the eyes of the world. God adopts us. He gives us a place at his table and our brokenness is covered by Jesus and God treats us as his children and he loves us. And so for you, if you haven't made 
a decision, a commitment to go, actually, I, I want to be adopted by God. I want my brokenness covered. I, I want to be a part of his family. And bearing in mind that this is not saying, I have it all figured out. I know who God is. I know who I am. I, I figured it all out. It's not saying that. It's saying, I want to accept the invitation to go on a journey to grow, to discover who God is, who I am, and to allow him into that brokenness so that he can begin to rip off those labels and to actually give me a new label of his son and his daughter. So those of you with labels, rip them off if you still have them on. Chuck them away. You don't need those. And so... If that's you and you'd like to make a decision, I'm just going to pray and I invite you to pray with me and repeat after me. So, Jesus, we know that we are broken. We invite you into that brokenness. Would you remove the lies that say that we are not worthy? And Father, we accept your invitation to adoption and to be a part of your family. And we place you as the Lord and Savior of our lives. Amen.